The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, our service members, and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty, as well as homeless veterans. These are heroes we all owe a debt of gratitude to. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responders, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us. We're honoring the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Not to mention there are dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. who's called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. With crime out of control in major cities across the country, it appears some voters might start to hold prosecutors accountable. This week, San Francisco's ultra-progressive district attorney, Chesa Boudin, is facing a recall election, so he could be removed from office. That's right, San Francisco is turning against its very progressive DA. Could the tide really be turning against the far-left criminal justice reform effort? I'll answer that in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. You may have seen over the weekend there were a lot of mass shootings that occurred uh, in places like Chattanooga, Tennessee, and in Philadelphia, and a whole range of other cities. Multiple people shot, many cases killed, dozens wounded. Here's just the CBS News headline. At least 13 were killed, dozens wounded in weekend mass shootings across the U.S. Horrendous and unthinkable is, of course, the quote here. And that's true, except it is not unthinkable insofar as this happens pretty frequently. You look at what goes on in a normal weekend in Chicago. This has become far too routine in this country. So yes, it is horrendous, 
But the reality is we are going through a continued surge in violent crime in this country. And it's from shootings, murders, the worst kinds of violent crimes, all the way down to the day-to-day anarchy of lawlessness and people feeling like they can get away with breaking laws with, with impunity. I mean, for example, this was just in New York City, a Dwayne Reed store here, uh, where an individual stole from the store, returned 10 minutes later after being you know, engaged in, in theft, after being a, uh, a shoplifter, to attack staff with a bike chain. And he's gotta know that he's on video, he's not even wearing a mask, doesn't care. Figures, you know, worst comes to worst, he'll get arrested and he'll be out within a couple of hours. And then he'll have some progressive in the district attorney's office here in New York who says, oh, well, we don't wanna make that guy's life too hard. So, you know, let's give him another chance. And then they'll give him another after he gets arrested again and then another after he's arrested again. This is what is playing out in cities all across the country. And progressive prosecutors, as in far-left Democrats, are at the heart of all of it. People are starting to figure it out. It's not just defund the police that has made our criminal justice system so much weaker than it previously had been. It's also the progressive prosecutor movement and their desire to end what they call mass incarceration, which means just let people out of prison. Don't punish them as severely for offenses that everybody realizes are bad, but you know. Social justice is more important than criminal justice. That has become the de facto mantra of the libs in these prosecutors' offices who are making these decisions. Well, Professor Boudin, who has turned San Francisco into something approximating an urban hellhole, he is finally facing voters who have realized what a mess he has made of their city. On Tuesday, coming up tomorrow, Boudin faces voters in a recall election backed by business owners who are unhappy with his performance, to say the least. Polls indicate his ouster is supported by the majority of residents in the incredibly left-wing city that has seen a spike in murder, as well as other crimes across the country. So this could be the beginning of some accountability for what is a shockingly stupid, reckless, dangerous idea pushed by the left that, well, if we just have fewer people in prison, we'll have a better, safer society. That's not true. If people are in prison because they're a danger to their fellow human beings, that's where they should be. If people are career criminals or if people are, uh, are habitual, violent, or serious offenders, they should be taken out of society where they can no longer prey upon their fellow human beings. This is pretty straightforward stuff. We've learned this over many, many decades. You could argue stretching back throughout human history, you have to punish those who violate the laws and hurt their fellow human beings in society. Democrats say, well, we want to limit that as much as possible. Let's cut that down. Let's cut it in half. What does that result in? Well, what we see now all across the country. Remember, in 2020, you had a 30% national spike in the murder rate in this country, the biggest one-year increase in the history of recording murder rates in the uh, United States, okay? That's what the BLM movement, progressive prosecutors, and defund police has led to. Finally, there may be a little glimmer of sanity here. Wall Street Journal writing that a successful recall of Mr. Boudin would mark a significant setback in what has been called the progressive prosecutor movement. Progressive prosecutors include district attorneys of Los Angeles County, New York County, which encompasses Manhattan, Chicago's Cook County, Philadelphia, all places where homicides went up during the pandemic and the lockdowns. Yeah, this was very predictable, right? 
but they did it anyway. And then they lied to us too. I want to remind everybody that while the numbers started to show substantial increases in homicides and violent crime in these cities, you know what the progressives were saying? Oh, it's the pandemic. As if people being told to stay home and not interact with each other because there is a disease that we are much more concerned about then than we are now when that was spreading would result in more murders. That doesn't make any sense. It should result, as it did in many countries around the world, actually, in fewer murders. But that was the lie they initially told us. And as I've said, this was the result of decisions, like prosecutorial decisions, to not actually punish people seriously when they break the law in a serious fashion. Um, Here's a graph that shows you the drop in misdemeanor and felony prosecutions in San Francisco. Drops off heavily when Chesa Boudin is sworn in in 2020. So Chesa Boudin's idea as a progressive prosecutor, let's be very clear on this, was I'm just going to prosecute fewer people. There'll be even more crimes going on, which is what happened. But he's going to prosecute. That has to be understood. You have an increase in crime. You have a drop in prosecution. Why would that be the case? Well, because the ideology of the left is that the criminal justice system is unfair. Central to this is that it is racist because a disproportionate number of the uh, people that are prosecuted in major cities in this country are racial minorities. And because of that statistic, they say, we're just going to prosecute fewer people. That will somehow bring justice or balance to the system. This is crazy, but this is what they have decided to do. And we have all seen the suffering, disproportionately, by the way, suffering of law-abiding minorities in communities all across the country where there's been this spike in crime. They suffer more than anybody else as a result of this. But Chesa Boudin is out there saying, oh no, it's, it's really the Republican billionaires that are trying to recall me, you know, just trying to, tr- trying to use the talking points, watch. They registered the domain for the recall uh, the week I was sworn into office. But as the pandemic wore on and people got more and more upset at the changes in our lives, it was a really easy opportunity for Republican billionaires to fund a movement that, as you said, does have some support from Democrats. Some support from Democrats. Remember, the progressive prosecutors in these cities, they didn't replace Republicans. They replaced other Democrats who were just not entirely insane when it came to the criminal justice system. But the activist left, the progressive left in the Democrat Party, decided that they would push forward George Soros with his tens of millions of dollars given to these DAs. That's a matter of public record. You can check it. That's not a conspiracy. It's true. Uh, They decided just prosecute and punish less and see what happens. Well, we've seen a lot of people have been murdered, shot, raped, assaulted, carjacked, thousands and thousands more than we would expect in a normal year in this country because of these ideas. What the libs have done. All right, fast food chain Pizza Hut is under fire after it suggested a book about a child drag queen to children as young as five. We'll have more on that with New York Post columnist Carol Markowitz. Let's talk about protecting your home for a minute. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a recent story about an Arizona real estate agent who found the home she lived in was listed for sale. Problem was, she wasn't actually selling her home, but she was the victim of home title fraud, a devastating crime that's happening all over the country. According to the experts at Home Title Lock, the crime is incredibly profitable and hard to detect. An identity thief simply creates a fake title transfer for your home and refiles as the new owner. Then he can take out loans on your home or sell it. Typical identity theft services don't cover you and neither does homeowner's insurance. Home Title Lock, however, does. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone tampering with your home's title, they help shut it down and help get your home back in your name. Here's what you should do. 
Go to HomeTitleLock.com and read the testimonials from FBI agents and government officials. Then register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it yet. When you protect your home, tell them Buck sent you to get 30 free days of protection. That's HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com. Carol Markowitz up next. Support for my podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 includes a ton of men's grooming products like the Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a bunch of other great men's hygiene products you never knew you needed, plus a travel bag to hold it all. The Lawn Mower Trimmer is the best. It's got a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, and it's waterproof so no more messes on the bathroom floor. You'll also get the waterproof Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer with proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in all those delicate areas. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BUCK to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools with Manscaped. As the left continues to push its gender ideology in schools and across the nation, we now see even more corporations hopping on board. The latest victim to the woke army is Pizza Hut. Newsweek reports the restaurant's new reading club Book It program, which targets grades pre-K to sixth grade, has some books focusing on the LGBTQ community on its website in light of celebrating Pride Month. So how do we hold the line to make sure our children aren't, you know, part of an agenda here? Joining me now to discuss is New York Post columnist Carol Markowitz. Carol, good to see you. Good to see you, Buck. So let's start with this one. The LGBT, LGBTQ plus, plus. book, plus. Julian is a Mermaid in the spirit of Julian is a Mermaid. This irrepressible yeah. picture book celebrates drag kids individuality and self-confidence from the perspective of a fabulous wig. Um, You're a parent. What the heck is going on here? So what's funny is, is that I know exactly what this book is because in Brooklyn, it was frequently distributed for free in my kids' schools. And so uh, we ended up with at least two or three copies of this book. I've seen it up close. I know exactly what's in it. And it has absolutely no place being distributed anywhere, especially by Pizza Hut. So I think we've really gotten to a crazy place where a child doing drag is somehow okay. Um, and, and, you know, videos emerged this weekend of... Um, um, parents taking their kids to a drag show in Dallas, which was sickening. Uh, I, I don't understand how this persists and how uh, it, it's all acceptable. I mean, we're showing people the footage here. It's honestly, I mean, it, it's so um, depraved. Uh, yeah. I mean, you have adult males, and there's even worse footage and photos than this that's been circulating. Right. Adult males gyrating and dancing yeah. dressed up as, as women. They're not women, they're men, in, obviously in drag. And there's mm. even photos of, of uh, small children putting dollar bills in the G-string of one of these performers. 
There is a right. sign that people may yeah. have seen in the background that says, uh, well, you, you tell me, I mean, some, you tell me what it says. It says and, uh, it's not going to lick itself. I so. mean, Carol, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, and the thing is that I think a lot of these parents would understand just how wrong this was if it were actual women doing these performances. Yes. You wouldn't take your kid to a strip club, right? And and you know, look, I'm a lifelong New Yorker like you. I had, you know, been to clubs in my 20s where drag queens perform and it's, you know, fine, but it's not for children. It just cannot be for children. Some things are not for children. Alcohol is not for children. Vegas is not for children. Drag shows are not for children. Why do you think there is, because this is a clear um, movement yeah. of sorts. I mean, the activists are pushing this. In New York City, um, a member of my family sent me a photo of in the local public school, right? I mean, I don't even know there were still public schools in my neighborhood, but there are apparently. They, they were advertising uh, a dra you know, drag queen story right. hour for, right. uh, for kindergartners. I mean, and by the way, yeah. it, it always seems That's to be right. for kindergartners and like third graders, yeah. first graders. What is this? Right. I mean, I think the idea is like, oh, they're colorful, they're glittery, like, why not? Um, well, why not is because it's inappropriate for children. Drag shows are generally adult material. They're usually quite sexy. They have this element absolutely of sexuality to them. And if we wouldn't allow a female stripper to come in and dance on the pole and just be like, look, she's also glittery and look at her shoes and it's amazing, then why would we allow men to do it in, in drag? That makes absolutely no sense to me. Here's uh, one of the drag queens saying that they're exposing kids to drag shows is beneficial. Watch. I think it was amazing. I never get to like perform in front of children. So, like performing in front of children. I have like six other younger siblings. So it was, it was very emotional. I loved it. It was probably one of the best shows I've ever done. Here's the thing. I don't think that there is any kind of issue with exposing children to this because especially if you if your child is in the community, or you may think they are. I, ju I just think that drag is educational. Drag is such like an art form. There's so much dancing, there's hair, there's wigs, there's makeup. There's so many things that kids will like, will love to experience with. So I feel like a lot of kids will want to like dabble in everything that's going on in like drag. There's so much there, Carol. Um, I think these people are honestly, I think they're mentally ill, um, but, but beyond that. Idea that they don't generally get to perform for kids. Yeah, that's by design. You don't right, generally get point. to perform your show for kids. Um, it's I, also, look, burlesque is an art form, right? I actually, again, I quite like drag and I, I don't have a problem with it for grownups. I just think it's ridiculous when you aim it at kids. It's like so many other things. You can go to a burlesque show and be like, wow, that's pretty cool. And that, you know, for grownups to watch, but then you wouldn't take your six year old because that's yeah, inappropriate. Mean, my radio co host today said, you know, he's got small kids. He's like, if I took my eight year old, to a strip club, even if the women kept, you know, yeah. didn't get, you know, didn't take off right. their clothing, everybody would think that I was, you know, so that, 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 you know, he speaking in the first person, he's some kind of degenerate in child right. services would come and talk. And yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. that would happen. So, so why does this make it, I mean, I, I think there, why, why would this be okay? I think it's not okay. I think though there was something that was really interesting uh, in one of those drag performers when they were talking about this, that there are drag kids in the audience, as if there's already kids who without adults training them to do this would throw yes. on wigs and glitter and gyrate their body parts in a way. I mean, it's like these people are crazy. Right.
It is absolutely fed to them by adults. There's no way a kid wakes up and decides to do this on their own. Every few years, they tell the story of a various drag kid, and there's absolutely no way that that kid discovered what to do without a grown-up pointing them in that direction. I, I just—it's all really sad and sickening, and it really is—it's is, meant to blur the lines of gender and, um, you know, the whole "what is a woman" conversation right now stems from exactly this kind of thing, where we're no longer sure what a woman is because the gender lines have been so blurred. By the way, uh, as you probably have seen, uh, Carol, the Biden administration is tying school lunch funding to including the trans agenda as though it's a civil right and part of Title IX. Your governor right. in the state of Florida, who wish mm -hmm. he could be everybody's governor, pushing back on this, watch. We're prepared for what Biden throws our way. Uh, and, you know, yes, part of it's the inflation and the gas. Part of it are intentionally destructive policies, like trying to deny school lunch programs for states that don't do transgender ideology in the schools. I mean, give me a break. Totally off his rocker to be doing that. We're fighting on that. Don't worry. So we're just prepared to be able to defend the taxpayers and the hardworking people in the state of Florida. And I couldn't be prouder for, for doing that. Yeah, I'm proud of him. It's really, it's a unique experience for me to have a politician that I think is great. And he happens to be my governor. That's incredible. That never happens. I've never had a politician that I thought was really, you know, uh, doing what I wanted him to do. So it's great. It's, it's the preservation of normalcy that I'm always talking about with Florida. It's not that Florida is doing something crazy. It's literally just trying to preserve a normal life that we used to understand before we got to the Biden administration using birthing person as if that's okay to replace the word for mother. Like it's just, it's just back to sanity. And that's what Ron DeSantis pushes and I'm all for it. Me too. Carol, good to see you. Nice to see you, Buck. Federal lawmakers on the January 6th committee are set to take their case public this week as Americans seem less interested in what they have to say. After the break, we'll talk to senior counsel at the Article 3 Project, Will Chamberlain. But I want to talk to you about protecting your online data for a second. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed. We know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Almost a year after the formation of the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th protests on Capitol Hill, lawmakers are set to take their case public this week but it appears they have some work to do with the American public. According to a new NBC News poll, just 45% of Americans say Donald Trump is solely or mainly responsible for the rioters who overtook the Capitol versus a combined 55% who say the former president is only somewhat responsible or not really responsible at all. It looks like the time, uh, looks like time has been on Trump's side, rather. 
Here with Reaction, Senior Counsel at the Article 3 Project, Will Chamberlain. Will, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. So we're supposed to think that there's going to be massive primetime revelations coming later this week, but January 6th. I feel like CNN has been talking about January 6th pretty much every day or every other day for going on 18 months now. I, I just, I don't know. What, what's the game plan here? I mean, they got to figure out some way to distract from the state of the economy, right? Uh, you have massive inflation, uh, unprecedented baby formula shortage, extremely high gas prices, um, and Biden's approval ratings are something in the 40s. And, and there's no switch now that the Biden administration can flip uh, to fix these problems that they that that they themselves created in the first place. I mean, it's just it's too long to you know once you once you shut down a baby formula plant, it takes a little while for that plant to get back running, for example. So I think the, the point here is just to create something that could get people angry at Republicans and, and wanted to come out and vote for Democrats in November. And so we've got to go sit through a, a committee about January 6th, which really at the end of the day was just a riot. It was just a riot. Yep, they finished their business and had the Capitol running as usual within a few hours. This is, uh, in terms of the public opinion here, a shift from an NBC poll when it comes to you know, the, the perception of January 6th. Just after the riots, 52% of people said that Trump was mainly responsible. So it feels like, Will, with the passage of time, there's either been just a, a lack of sustained interest in this uh, and also an unwillingness to continue to buy the narrative that Trump was responsible for everything that went down that day. Yeah, I mean, this is the classic issue that really just only motivates serious partisans, right? The only people on the left who deeply care about January 6th still, you know, six months on, no, sorry, 18 months on, <laughs> let's, let's, let's clarify, 18 months on from the event, um, are, are serious Democrat partisans. Those are the people who are going to turn out anyway. Normal people have other things going on with their lives than to care about a brief riot 18 months ago, even where even if the riot was interrupting something important, it's just it was still just a riot. Uh, and, and I think ultimately the Democrats have made a huge mistake investing so much time and energy into this when the, the real way that they would have actually had a chance of holding on to the, the Congress in 22 and perhaps the presidency in 24 governed the country well. Uh, they, they've just lost sight of that. January 6th committee has been split behind the scenes, Will, over what actions to take after the public hearings. Some members want big changes on voting rights, apparently. Even, they say, they want to abolish the Electoral College, while others are resisting proposals to overhaul all, all the U.S. election system. So it feels like, for some of them, it's let's just push, uh, to, let's just push to remake the country because, you know, January 6th, the insurrection, and some other Democrats behind the scenes are saying, there are limits to our crazy. Like, it's actually self-defeating at some point to be that insane. I like that you're referring to Liz Cheney as another Democrat because that's accurate and it should actually be proper style for 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 American news outlets. Um, yeah, so you have Liz Cheney on the one hand who's trying to say, well, you know, I am I am the only representative from Wyoming and getting rid of the Electoral College would definitely weaken the overall power of my state. So, you know, even even though I really don't like Trump and the Republicans, I just you know, she has like some part of her that's like I, as the only representative of Wyoming, I couldn't conceivably do that. Uh, which I, I guess, you know, whatever, like that's a low bar for a Republican representative for Wyoming, whatever. I guess we'll, we'll do, do we take it? Do we care? None of these proposals would ever get anywhere. And all the radical stuff would get shot down in the Senate anyway, because they don't have the votes. 
Um, so it's sort of, it really is it ultimately the debate about what actually is in the committee report is just one of those non-important, non-relevant debates. Like, oh no, the, the January 6th committee made recommendations that were too aggressive. Well, if, if, if they're aggressive, then the Senate would reject them anyway. The, the, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, nobody on the House Select Committee is more committed than Representative Cheney, it seems, to pursue Trump for inciting the attack on the Capitol. But she does oppose, to your earlier point, some of the more sweeping election law reforms that Democrats on the committee are. Democrats are essentially saying, yeah, let's just remake the country because, you know, January 6th. And Liz Cheney's like, whoa, whoa, this is just about my personal vendetta with Trump. Let's not get let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Right, right, right. Let's focus on my priorities. I hate Donald Trump and I want to get him. That's why I'm willing to work with you, Democrats. Like, OK, I, I don't feel like we should give her too much credit for for merely not you know, for merely opposing a complete remaking of our federal system. Like, good, good, yeah. good for you. Golf clap. And and um, in the and obviously in the immediate aftermath of what happened last week too, I wanted to get your your take on uh, Peter Navarro, who was a senior economic advisor for trade to the Trump administration. I saw. I mean, there's there's video of him where he says that not only did they not only did they arrest him because he didn't respond to a Jan six committee subpoena, they actually you know they cuffed him. They went to his I think they went to his place of work. And he says they even put him in leg irons at one point and they, you know, they processed him and everything else. He says they could have just called me and said, come down, surrender yourself and we'll go through the process. But, you know, they want that whole show trial vibe, apparently, Will. Yeah, no, I mean, we need to first, I mean, it leads to two obvious conclusions. First, we need just a complete wholesale, like top to bottom clearing out a DOJ, right? Like, how did that get approved? There's no way it should have been approved. This is like the most white collar of white collar crimes. Um, not the kind of serious, no threat of violence, no reason to be breaking out any of the serious, uh, serious restraints or yeah, powers. Yeah, they restrained this man. They, they cuffed him because, yeah. you know, Peter Navarro who was Trump's trade representative might attack somebody because he didn't respond to a subpoena for a BS investigation and, and, about Congress. And like, from what Congress? do we need to do to get Democrats to realize that they need to tone it down? Like, I think maybe we need to, when we take power in 2024, like have like put Hunter Biden in the stocks in the middle of the mall or something like that. Like just like some ridiculous thing where we just parade formerly prominent Democrats and just do public shamings like they did in Game of Thrones. Like, what do, what do we have to do to get you guys to not to act like normal people to realize that you just you just can't unilaterally do this stuff to Republicans without us doing something in return. I seriously hope there has to be some consequence for this and the way that it's it's not merely that they're going after people for contempt of Congress, which nobody's done in 40 years, but they're doing it in the most heavy handed, aggressive, authoritarian way possible um, as though they'll never be out of power again. And I think we need to uh, it's just yet another reminder that when when Republicans retake power, it's not enough to stop the abuses. There has to be some punishment, right? Like the you know at a minimum, anybody who's responsible for that decision, should, you know, to put Navarro on leg iron should be fired and, and blackballed from the government. Um, and there needs to be a lot more of that. You would think so, and yet it feels like we live in crazy times, Will. But yeah. thanks for bringing us a bit of sanity, my friend. Of course, always good to talk to you. Gas prices hit another record high today, and news from Saudi Arabia is that they'll be increasing the price of crude oil. After the break, the first TV's TNLO stops by to explain why America might be headed for a Jimmy Carter-era-style oil crisis. Right, we'll be back. 
Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country, giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. The price of gasoline hit another record high today. Nationwide, a gallon of gas is costing drivers $4.86 on average. In some states, including California, Washington, and Oregon, the average price has risen to over $5 per gallon. High prices at the pump are being caused in part by the skyrocketing price of oil. Today, oil topped $120 per barrel on news that Saudi Arabia would be sharply hiking prices for customers around the world. Joining me now with her analysis of the energy situation around the world and here at home is commentary writer for the Washington Examiner and contributor to the first TV, Tina Lowe. Tina, what's up? Hey, Buck, you know that 120 number? If you had told us six months ago that, that we'd be regularly hitting 120 once in March and now again in June, I would not believe it, especially considering that it's not even the worst part of the summer yet. Just wait until July. Yeah, so what's, what's happening in the global market internationally that is causing prices right now in particular to spike once again? So Biden wants us to believe that it's all the so-called Putin price hike. But consider this, Russian oil imports only comprise some, what, 7% of America's daily oil uh, consumption. So that doesn't explain all of it. It's a combination of the fact that Biden decided to isolate, you know, our global allies like Saudi Arabia, who are now, you know, a pivotal part of OPEC plus, which is the Middle Eastern cartel that has the ability to artificially jack up prices and his administration's decision to limit the number of uh, drilling leases that it's allowing. It's, it's signaled to the market that it's going to be very restrictive in how much oil can be drilled. It is not, people talk about the Keystone XL pipeline, and that's true that that mattered, but it mattered as much as the signal as it did, you know, the actual development of oil that would happen in, you know, three to four years from now. The issue is that drilling oil is expensive. Distributors don't want to set up new sites of, dr of drilling if the federal government's just going to shut them down. So they don't want to take a big bet on more oil expansion, knowing that at any moment, Biden is signaling that he might just withdraw a permit or withdraw permission to drill. So what do you have? Biden hamstringing our domestic ability for supply. And instead, now in a, in a very embarrassing about face for his foreign policy, turning around, you know, in 2019, he said that he wanted to make Saudi Arabia a, quote, global pariah, not to realize that Saudi Arabia has actually been a very helpful and useful ally in, in pivoting power away from Iran and China. And now he's, he's trying to go to Saudi Arabia, to Riyadh, to go on bended knee to beg Mohammed bin Salman to jack up oil production and bring down prices. So OPEC has apparently increased its output. So shouldn't that, I mean, for the folks at home, result in prices dropping or is it just too soon? Well, 
it remains to be seen, right? We do want, we know the basic formula, oil markets are very elastic in the sense that if you have more supply, then those prices will go down. But you still have the Russia situation, which is wreaking havoc in Europe. You know, in Germany, because of oil, inflation is is well into the double digits. So it's not just, you know, quote unquote, supply chains, but why is it affecting us so much? You know, gas prices are now double what they were when Biden took office. So Russia doesn't explain it because gas prices were on their way up long before Putin's invasion into Ukraine. So some of it also just has to do with, you know, Saudi Arabia was really the key OPEC member state that was sort of favorable to the United States. A lot of those other Middle Eastern nations did not see it in their interest to help us out at all. To all the credit that, to, for all that, that you know, liberals like to criticize Jared Kushner, him, him fomenting a pretty positive relationship with MBS did work very well in our favor. I mean, there was a period of time at peak COVID in July, 2020, when oil futures went into the negatives because we had so much supply. But now we'll see, they can release a little more oil, but it's not doing enough. You still have to offset all of Europe that was reliant on Russian oil. And you still have to, and, and we are still waiting on how much confidence domestic producers have in their ability to drill. If they think Biden is gonna be loosey with the football, continually pulling it away, they will not have any incentive. And we will be once again, dependent on foreign oil. And last I checked, last I checked, drilling in the Middle East doesn't somehow reduce or doesn't somehow emit fewer greenhouse gas emissions. It is just as bad for the global climate change phenomenon. So it's really just domestic hypocrisy on the Biden administration's part. So President Biden was scheduled to visit the Middle East this month, including the Saudi stop. That trip was postponed until next month. Do we know what happened? So according to Politico and another report in the New York Times, Biden has had this personal animus towards MBS over the whole Jamal Khashoggi thing, and mainly because he committed to this position in the primary as a way to signal to Democrats worried that he was too squishy, that this is his way of opposing Trump. Because in the end, everything in our politics just comes back to orange man bad. But advisors are saying, if you do not want to piss off everyone betting that the Interior Department limits American drilling, then you have to go to Saudi Arabia. And quite frankly, Biden's position on Saudi Arabia has never made much sense, considering that you have, you know, Biden saying that he wants to make Saudi Arabia a pariah state, but still the U.S. Um, having Saudi Arabia be it, its number one purchaser or client of arms. The fact that we have totally backed the war in Yemen without congressional approval. So it's not as though Biden actually did anything to take vengeance for the death of Jamal Khashoggi, who may or may not have been a Qatari agent. Um, but it's just that he just wants to have the maximum, you know, war of the words piss off MBS and think that there will be no direct consequences. And right now the consequences are all of us are paying at the pump. I mean, in some states, minimum wage doesn't cover two gallons of gas. So, so Tina, to that end, just for folks at home, what actually matters to them, are we looking at gas lines a la the Carter era? Are we looking at shortages even more than we've already seen? I mean, what, what's the gas picture looking like this summer? 
mean, I certainly think so, especially hopefully people have transitioned away from diesel cars, which I know were all the rage with environmentalists about 15 years ago. I mean, everything about this is remnant of the Carter administration. The only difference is at least Carter had a chairman of the Federal Reserve who actually had the ponies to raise rates on time. Right now, interest rates are at 1%. When interest rates were last, or when inflation was last at 8.3, 8.5%, Paul Volcker brought up you know, interest rates into the double digits. So that is how behind the curve the Fed is on inflation. So I think it's gonna be worse than the Carter administration, but that's just because I'm a pessimist. And that's why you have me here, Buck. Dose of reality, courtesy of Tina. Always good to see you, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Buck. Elon Musk may be rethinking his acquisition of Twitter. We'll have that story for you in Quick Hits. Stay with us. Elon Musk may be souring on his potential acquisition of Twitter, and a Canadian HR professional says HR departments and recruiters are trying to put conservatives out of work. We have these stories in Quick Hits. Let's get right to it. Look, there's very few things that recently have um, freaked out the left and the libs more than the prospect of Twitter becoming a free speech platform, meaning that there'd be very clear rules. You can't do things that are illegal. You can't say things that are illegal, etc. But beyond that, you could share disfavored opinions, maybe even quote misinformation, which as we know, ends up a lot of the time being right anyway. Uh, and the left completely panicked about that because Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. And he says that he's going to buy Twitter. Well, Unfortunately, that may not actually happen. We'll see. Here's a letter from Musk, who's threatening to walk away from the Twitter deal. He said, based on Twitter's behavior to date and the company's latest correspondence in particular, Mr. Musk believes the company's actively resisting and thwarting his information rights under the merger agreement. This is a clear material breach of Twitter's obligations under the merger agreement, and Mr. Musk reserves all rights resulting therefrom, including his right not to consummate the transaction and his right to terminate the merger agreement. Uh, so this is concerning to those of us who are hoping that this may open a pathway for Twitter to be a true free speech platform. Uh, if Musk doesn't buy it, then Twitter goes back to its old habits, most likely, of suppressing conservatives and doing everything in its power to elevate the ideology of the left as though it is sacrosanct truth. Of course, it's not the case. They were wrong about so much during COVID. They've been wrong about so much that it's hard to even begin to list it all out here. But Elon buying Twitter would be a great thing for free speech, a great thing for our republic, in my opinion. And if it doesn't happen because they're playing games and because the woke libs are trying to mess up the deal, then, well, it'd be a loss for all of us. So let's hope it goes through. But by the way, Elon also caught our eye over the weekend because he asked an important question. He shared a meme that says, things I'll never see in my life. And it had photos of a dragon, a dinosaur, and a unicorn. And also it says the Epstein-Maxwell client list. He added, the only thing more remarkable than DOJ not leaking this list is that no one in the media cares. Doesn't that seem odd? Well, yes, it does seem quite odd, doesn't it? Given the history of the Department of Justice in recent years of leaking very sensitive information for political purposes, certainly. Doesn't it seem like this is the kind of thing that might just get out there? 
don't we have some right to know who was involved in this way? Who was involved with Epstein and Maxwell? Isn't that something that could be public record? I mean, we don't know if they necessarily did anything criminally, but who was on that list? We want to ask them some questions, like, why are you on the list? But that never somehow makes it to the light of day. I wonder why. Notice how they set up, I'm just going to tell you, this is my analysis of it, that uh, you had Maxwell and Epstein with a massive surveillance operation and clearly meant to entrap some of the richest and most powerful people in the world, and yet none of that surveillance data, none of the blackmail material has ever even been spoken about, never mind shared with the public, which is so interesting in a criminal investigation, isn't it? All right, now here's a Canadian HR professional who tells conservatives that recruiters in HR will get them fired for their politics. Yeah, you don't say, watch. I'm a recruiter. It's a small, small, small industry. Smaller than you'd think. Same with HR. So if you're looking for a job or maybe trying to keep a job, maybe, just maybe, think about what you're putting on social media. Again, freedom fighters. I know you're not really big with stats and, you know, facts aren't your thing, you know? But what I can tell you, what is a fact, is that recruiters talk. And recruiters, like the majority of Canada, don't agree with you. Do you know what that means? Do you have any guesses? Any guesses what that means? What that means is that if you need a job, you might not get one. If you want to keep a job, you might not get to do that. It's telling you, yeah, you better toe the uh, line of the left-wing agenda here or else you're not going to get a job, might get fired from your job. There you go, folks. They've infiltrated everything, including HR. As ever, tonight's Hold the Line, the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Fields high. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who's called Mal Evans, who's our roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.